Welcome to the March 9th, 2023 edition of the Science Fiction Club. And this month, it's Bring Your Own Book. Uh, we had a good meeting last month, but we're going to see how this alternating format goes. So presumably people read something this month or they read something last year and or they were in 2017 or in 1987 or whatever. And they can talk about it. We have a good crowd of people. So anybody want to go first? Or should I just volunteer someone? Last was I could. <laughs> but I don't have too much to say. I, I've been I, I've been trying to understand the the rise of the chain by Neil. What's his last name? Asher. Asher. Neil Asher. I read it once, and I, I was so overwhelmed by the variety of characters and the different types of of artificial and non artificial intelligence that I started to read it again, but I haven't got very much into it. So what I'd like to do is just read, uh, have you hear the Library of, of Congress summary of the book, and then just make a few comments. But if I can get my Victor Reader to come up. But the truth of it is I find it a little bit beyond my abilities to keep, to keep track of everything that's going on in the book. So let me just get my Victor Reader to come on. I have it right set for the... Um, for the, the Library of Congress summary? Well, hold on. Airplane mode, on. Rise of the Jane. Okay, here, one and two. here we it's, 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 it's There are two books in it. The first one's called The Soldier, and the second one I, I, I didn't get to, I don't even know. But anyway, here's, here's the summary. The first two books in the series, published in 2018 and 2019. In The Soldier, Polity and the Praetor, have placed a human and AI hybrid in charge of a solar system swarming with destructive living technology. Also includes the warship. Violence, strong language, and descriptions of sex, 2019. About the author. Well, I'll skip that. Now, he actually lists uh, a list of the different names of the characters in the book. Before yes. The book. Um, and I really can't say too much more about it, except what I found very difficult is he kept switching from one entity to another. And I find that, I found it very difficult to, to, to follow what was going on. So, well, there's not a human looking person in the book um, no, that I can remember. They're all yeah. modified exactly. to some extent, often <laughs> heavily. And they're, of course, they're aliens as well. The Praetor and the humans have been at war since uh, I can't remember. Right, the Praetor. Uh, the, uh, there the are numerous sequels to these books that Bard does not have. They have some of them. Actually, no, I don't think they have any. They have other. They have a, a three other books by him in a different series, but not not uh, this series. Um, and they haven't finished the third. They didn't do the third book in this series either, which came out three or four years ago now. Uh, I don't know when they're going to get around to that which is kind of frustrating, mm -hmm. uh, but it's very uh, far out. <laughs> That's for sure. Used to say. I enjoyed it quite a lot, even though it's a war theme. But the idea is to protect the, you know, because there's this nanotechnology that they've, they're keeping a lid on right, in the solar system, in the right. black hole or whatever. And that's the Jane, the entity that was, um, you know, um, practically, you know, ravaged the galaxy previously, and they managed to cooperate enough to get, you know, to get it into a, but um, it's, it's very imaginative, that it is. but, but it's very hard. I can see why, you know, it might be hard for people to follow it to some extent, but I, I, I liked it quite a bit, as I said, even though it was a warlike theme. I've got to I, read, still, I mean, I'm reading it again now, and I'm going to continue to try to you know, reread it. Maybe yeah, you know, but you're going to have to go to Bookshare if you want to finish the series, and it's really the farthest out. Um, the woman <laughs> uh, uh, the woman who's on that planet, you know, um, she practically metamorphoses into Someone the entire Ruth, planet. Ruth, Ruth in it. I don't know if that's what you're referring to. Uh, I can't remember. Something Ian. I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah, then there's that alien... The, uh, one of the in, 
the super the artificial intelligence that's part woman. Yeah, I, I got her name. Yeah, that's. that's oh, yeah. it gets really even further out then, and and well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but I mean, obviously, you can probably tell if you read the synopsis to the third book that that a Jane ship actually does emerge, uh, uh, and it's very oh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty, and there's a lot more to it. Um, there's a guy who, um, you know, was, um, um, he, he wants to create, he, uh, enables this soldier, this really capable soldier to try to come out and take on the Jane and that's, and it gets loose and it's, it's pretty, there's a lot of, com fair bit of combat in it and, how would you how would you classify the book? It's not you wouldn't consider it to be a space a space opera, I guess. Right? Well, military space opera, maybe oh, okay. uh, kind of a hybrid of that. That might be the best description of it, because uh, it's more than just. I mean, it's a space opera in the sense that there's a lot of different aliens. You know, there's aliens and AIs, and yeah, you know, yeah. but there's a military, a big military component to it also. Right. So it definitely have to be military space opera and they have the, this, these humans that live on this planet and they're modified of coopers or something like that they're called i don't remember that but. yeah they the uh they're um um they um are modified to live on a really um they're like i think they have like components of fish or you know the underwater creatures so they can survive I don't know why these uh, authors don't give easy to remember names. It seems like all the characters have rather difficult names to remember. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 I'm not, I mean, yeah, I know what you mean, but I mean, it's, I don't know how many, how far in the future and, um, and I guess, you know, calling people Jim and Dave, you know, <laughs> uh, doesn't, doesn't convey the same kind of alienness that, calling them different names would. Um, anyhow, uh, well, keep going, but don't worry. You know, there are a lot of other books out there. Oh, sure. um, and Robert Day Sawyer, you know, has a bunch of them on, on Bard. I don't know about all of them, but he certainly has quite a few. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of books out there. So don't worry about it, you know, if you can't, if you just don't <laughs> like it. My age is, uh, my memory is not the best anymore. It's hard to keep track of things. Yeah. And there is, you know, there is quite a lot of combat. It's pretty, you know, and then you've got those machines that, that escape from the, you know, those drones that kind of merge into a big mass. And they're right. once the, when they're together. Yeah. They're really mean, you know, there, that's, that's another component that, um, but they get defeated. I'm not, I'm going to spoil it, I guess, but they get defeated in the end, but it takes a while. They wreak a lot of destruction. So anyhow, it's pretty good if you like that sort of thing, but, um, okay. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Oh, Sherry. Okay. I, um, read, um, impossible things, which is a series of short stories by Connie Willis. Oh. And I, Really loved Connie Willis's Doomsday Book, and I've read some of her other ones that I liked. Some of these stories I have read in Asimov or Analog. Um, I'll just tell you about a couple of them. Um, there's one called The Cyclists, and it takes place in the future. And this woman's very upset because her daughter's going to join this club of the cyclists. And at first you're thinking, what could be the problem? But then it turns out that the cyclist is menstruation cycles and this group of women in the cyclists apparently believe that the patriarchy have eliminated their ability to menstruate and they want it back and uh, women you know older women that know better <laughs> of course meet with her and, and set her straight that this isn't something you really should be thrilled about trying to get back um, there's another one called adieu 
And it's pretty funny. There's protests against everything. There's somebody with a sign that mostly against Shakespeare, teaching Shakespeare in schools. So this is pretty timely. There's somebody walking around with a sign that says Shakespeare is the mouthpiece of Satan. And Connie Willis mentions that both Shakespeare and Satan are spelled wrong. And um, they also have some environmentalists that are upset because in one of the plays, somebody carves their initials into a tree. The funniest one I thought was a group of uh, people, drapers, are upset because somebody gets stabbed behind a curtain. <laughs> so they don't want the play to be allowed either. Um, Sonny Willis has comments in front of these stories, and she mentions that she loves rom-coms from the 30s and 40s. And that kind of shows because a lot of her stories have lots of people running around like crazy and chaos and stuff like that. There's a story about an alien that stays with somebody in her apartment because the government's trying to uh, talk with him and negotiate with him. And this alien just keeps going out and buying stuff. I mean, big stuff like pianos and beds and stuff and filling up her apartment. And what's she going to do about it and stuff like that. And then there's another story that I don't remember what the story is, but the thing that struck me as funny is that a couple was going to go see a movie of Benji nine where Benji accidentally exchanges bodies with a Siamese cat. Oh, and, and I might see that movie <laughs> if it existed. But in any case, I don't know that I'd really recommend the book. The stories were okay and there were funny parts of them, but by the last one, I was kind of a little bit tired of all the, the running around stuff that she tends to put in her stories. So that's it. Yeah, I, I never liked her that much just because I like a harder kind of SF than she writes. Mm -hmm. but, um, and also, last time I heard she was on coast to coast peddling Bigfoot sightings and you know, stuff like I've, that. And I are thought, you sure oh, that's for, the same one I had heard. Oh, it it's the same one. All right. Oh, yeah. It's the same one. Yeah. I heard I just briefly turned on the radio one night and coast to coast was on and I heard her name mentioned. I'm like, oh, surely that isn't her but apparently it is it is it That's, is her that is you can go on you can go on uh, i guess social media and watch her doing her bigfoot hunts and stuff oh my gosh That's, that. That's, i don't know if that's yeah. still current that was a while ago that i heard that, yeah me I don't too know. it was a while ago but it was but it was definitely on she was a regular on the weekend yep. like this i think it was saturday you know she did the saturday shows yeah. she from kentucky i think she mentioned louisville kentucky I don't remember where she's from. Hmm. So anyhow, yeah, she had that. What was it? She did. Um, um, was the, the doomsday? Was that the one where they go back to World War II? Or, yeah, uh, that one I really yeah, liked that was a, a lot. Really popular. Something about the Coventry Cathedral, I think. Something to do with the cathedral. And wasn't there one about the 13th century with the Black Death, the 1300s? Yeah. Yes, I like that one too. Yeah. That was the doomsday book. And by the way, um, if you think Connie Willis is in some wacky doodle stuff when she's not writing science fiction, don't forget that John W. Campbell was big into a lot of that stuff, too, you know? Wow. Mm. Yeah, uh, he was. Well, and you have to remember, Isaac Newton was into alchemy, so. And Arthur Conan Doyle, I believe, was into like proving that fairies existed because of a famous photograph from the 1920s. But I don't remember a lot about it. Yeah, I don't remember that. I didn't heard that. But that it's not surprising, I guess. They're people, um, too. Yeah. Darn it. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like sometimes you don't want to know as much about, you know, sometimes <laughs> you learn too much about your authors that you really like and then you kind of start feeling a little cognitive dissonance there because you know you like this book these books this author really wrote and then you find out that you know he's a rabid something or mm, other like I robert mean, heinlein was or jk rowling yeah. heinlein was very right wing by the end of his life oh my yeah i know yeah and even in his earlier books, I mean, politics was in a lot, all most, a lot of his books. I mean, his uh, juveniles were fun, though. You know, yeah, the, the ones they were very fun. popular, and well, he, they were, you know, he they were optimistic, and everything was yep. optimistic and bright, and 
Yeah, we need more of him now. Oh, yeah, we certainly do. Goodness gracious. Um, it was like the Jules Verne versus um, H.G. Wells dichotomy. We need more of the optimistic Vernes type things. Not creepy yeah, dork. I know. It just, I mean. Uh, Roger. Thanks. What do you yes. think? I guess you're ready for mine this time, eh? Um, well, I'm always ready for him. Okay. I just thought we'd break up the monotony and put you in other well, than first. <laughs> well, this time I bring you High Justice by Jerry Purnell. And I think this is the first time I ever read a book that was written by just Jerry Purnell rather than Jerry Purnell with um, Larry Niven. And I have read books written by just Larry Niven before, and now I can say I think both of them write better when they're writing together. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But in any case, this book, High Justice, is an anthology that purports to be stories all in Jerry Pornell's future history. And I did not <clears throat> know that he had a future history until I read this book. And I also found out that uh, his collaboration with um, a, a, one of his collaborations, The Moat in God's Eye, was part of that future history. Um, now, I like The Moat in God's Eye. Yeah, I did too. I and thought it was really good. It's been quite some years since I've read it. But the thing is, as I recall, I don't recall that there was much of a backstory to it. It was a story about um, an interstellar colony locating another star that was uh, in a star system that was inhabited by, well, strange space aliens and so on. But that's not the book that I'm reviewing. The thing is, I did not see any connection whatsoever with this book, High Justice, in the mode in God's eye, but supposedly it was part of the same future history, and it's the only collaboration with um, Larry Niven that he did that was part of that future history. Um, in High Justice, well, there are several stories, and... The gist of them is that civilization on Earth is collapsing. And in fact, most of the stories take place on Earth. And kind of at the last moment, space travel intervenes to save civilization. These stories were all written in the... <clears throat> early 70s, from about 1972 to 75, and were published in Analog Magazine. And Jerry Pornell seems to have the idea that um, what's going to put an end to civilization is that the Earth is going to be mined out. Their, uh, minerals are considered a limited resource, and there are only so much of them that can be dug up and, well, <clears throat> they've all been pretty much dug up, and that's putting an end to civilization, except they keep trying to find more ways to get more minerals. And, in fact, I'd say the best story in the book is one in which, by the way, um, full communication has been established with dolphins, and they turn out to be real good buddies to humans, but in that story, the, the main gist of that story is that the ocean <clears throat> is being mined. And I don't mean the ocean bottom. They are actually extracting minerals from the seawater itself. And, but, although the part about communicating with the dolphins was more interesting to me. But in any case, that goes on to another story where... Finally, civilization is saved when um, they start um, traveling out in space and mining asteroids. And then 
then it can really be saved even more when they come up with interstellar travel. And that's toward the last of the book. You get these, uh, a story about interstellar travel. And I suppose that leads up <clears throat> to the mode in God's eye. But like I said, I do not remember any kind of a backstory that would indicate that it was part of any future history in my mind, at least. I just don't really see a connection between that book and this book. But um, I will say that I had noticed before that I thought Larry Niven was a much better writer when he worked with Jerry, with Jerry Pornell. And now, having read this book, I can say I think Jerry Pornell is a lot better writer when he works with Larry Niven. They do really good books together. They're not that great on their own, though. So, well, that's pretty much what I have to say about this one, then. High Justice by Jerry Pornell. Well, the moat, though, is like a thousand years in the future. I think it's like 3,000 and something. So there's a lot of, uh, there might be a, a lot of intervening time. I mean, there were the Sauron Superman and there was, I don't know what else. I don't remember a lot of it, but um, so there might be enough intervening time that, you know, that he could make connections if he had written, you know, that history more detail. But um, yeah, I, I know what you mean about the collaborations, although I thought I, I liked uh, Larry Niven's Ringworld and Ringworld Engineers. Those were really good. But um one thing about Niven and Purnell's books, though, is at least there may have been an exception or two, but they were always longer <laughs> than the ones they wrote by themselves. I mean, they wrote some really long books. I mean, Lucifer's Hammer was uh, 16 sides on cassette, like close to 24 hours. The Moat in God's Eye was almost that long. Um, Who wrote The Integral Trees? Larry Niven wrote that okay. by himself. Oh, that yeah, was serialized giant, in analog, actually. Okay, a big giant tr tree world or something. I never could understand that. How come it the was like a, didn't float away? Right. Um, I'm not sure how the trees apparently radiated out, like in a ring. Oh, apparently, yeah. and uh, but I'm not sure how they kept it the was, atmosphere. Yeah, that was strange. trees the growing, trees. Trees growing without gravity. Yeah, right. The ring, the ring world story. If, in my opinion, the concept of the ring world stories was really great. I don't necessarily think that the writing was as good as it would be in the collaborations, though. Probably not. Probably not. No. Oh, the and there wouldn't have been as much fleshed. I mean, they fleshed out a lot more you know, psychology and biology and, you know, all that stuff. It, they were much more well-rounded books, you know, uh, than they are when they're writing separately because they focus on their, you know, more of their own interests and they don't get the, you know, the synergy of the collaboration when each of them is, you know, putting in their, you know, knowledge and their characters and stuff. So that's true enough. Uh, and I really didn't like the sequels to Ringworld Engineers. I read one of them and I think I gave it up after that. Um, and that was a good tr duology, but I think he, I guess it was commercially successful. So he thought he'd write some more of them. That's how it happens, I guess. So, uh, Liz, how have you been? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I didn't get a book completed for this month. I'm sorry. Oh. I tr I've been trying to read Aurora Rising. And um, let me see. I can't remember, even remember the author's name, but let me go get it. Um, <clears throat> it's very young, you know, YA. And I, I just... Mm -hmm. Is that Kim couldn't... Stanley Robinson? Uh, let me check and see. I'm going to the, going there right now. Um but my life has been kind of a whirlwind for the last three weeks. So I'm not, my concentration level has not been great. 
I my my decision is I'm going to read human uh, humans next the the sequel to the book that we read last discussed last month. Oh yeah, uh, we finished it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But I am I apologize. I came along tonight just to leave see hear what other people are reading. Oh sure, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where is that Aurora Rising? Um, yeah, that's fine. It's by Annie Co Amy Kaufman. Oops. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it just, I don't know, it, it, it's about this ship of um, kind of frozen vehicle, free, frozen individuals, and one of them gets thawed, and I, I don't know, it just, it wasn't my thing. I think I read that, but I can't remember. Yeah, it was, it was very, and they had all the sound effects, like, you know, data entry sound effects and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I find that distracting. In the book, yeah, you it know? can be if they go overboard with it. Yeah. Yeah. It can it be, just, but in the uh, in the book, um, oh man, what was that book that um, uh, the guy who wrote The Martian? Oh yeah. Name? Oh, Weir, Weir, Weir. Yeah, Andy and, Weir wrote um, yeah, with uh, the alien Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary oh, project. Yeah, they put they put voice. sound effects in that for when the alien was speaking in his he native like, language. Yeah, but that, yeah, was, like, that was really cool. In yeah, that was effective. I loved that book. I yeah. actually, I've read, I think I've read all of Andy Weir's stuff He's now, and I really enjoy, I really like his writing. So. Like You'll his notice, history. though, that he doesn't publish, like, all the time. His no. books come out when they're done. He's not exactly. on some kind of war. Yeah. Uh, you know. belt. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Artemis was good, the mystery. I wish he'd do some more in that series. Yeah. So, anyway, we can move along, but, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, I, um, I'm going to continue on with the the, the um, Neanderthal stuff. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's a middle book, so uh, yeah. The uh, publisher mentions fast pacing, but we didn't notice quite as much fast pacing. We kind of got a chuckle out of that about two hours in, but um, it's still good, worth reading. And uh, we're into the third book now. Um. We're not looking forward to all of the religious talk because he certainly seems to hammer that a lot in the books. But we're looking forward to seeing how, you know, all everything is resolved. But that's not the book I'm reviewing either. So, um, David, all right. I think it's, you're it's interesting. The topic of asteroid mining would come up in, a, in just now because the two books I'd like to discuss are centered around that very thing as well. The ones by Daniel Suarez. I may have mentioned that when I was here the other time and you yeah. told me to hold it until now. So the books are called Delta V book one and critical mass, which is Delta V book two. They're basically oh. the story of a billionaire, a tech billionaire, a, very, a rather ruthless tech billionaire, as you find out by reading the book, organizes a team he picks different people and they go to this boot camp on the island of, um, I think it's South Georgia Island in the South Atlantic. And they, they, the ones who pass are selected to train and, and they learn how to operate this spaceship. And all of this is happening while a lot of international intrigue is going on. There's an asteroid he wants to have mined. So they they find the asteroid, they start mining it and converting different like into things like ammonia and water, and they shoot those back to Earth. And as the book ends, um, they realize he never intended for them to come back, but they manage to... During is the, somebody yeah, in the... Uh, someone is... What's up there? Somebody's, oh, thank you. Yes, yeah, something... <laughs> They jury rig their spaceship and they come back and they leave, you know, they leave two people behind on the actual, um, they, they actually have, they've actually had to um, redesign part of the spaceship to get them home and they leave part of it behind with two of their members. And the second book, Critical Mass, is how they go back and rescue them and what happens. They're very suspenseful. And, you know, very interesting, very hard edge of the moment. It's set in the 2030s. So global warming has gotten worse. Uh, international tensions have gotten worse. 
And some of the book is actually in Luxembourg because that's sort of the center of all the space exploration because they they want people to realize that we can expand out into the asteroid belt, that there, there's a huge amount of resources out in you know in um in the asteroid belt or even they named an asteroid that wasn't even as far as the asteroid belt and just how many resources they would have but it's and it's how some people are trying to sabotage them you know it's it's sort of that suspense kind of thing it was really interesting he's he's good i haven't read those but i read the demon and freedom books and i enjoyed those quite a lot um so these will probably be good i don't know if when i'll get to them because uh i have a lot of other stuff but i think if they if people want to try them i mean if they're similar in quality to those books then they will be you'll enjoy them but but he does like a fairly rigorous extrapolation of things you know whatever he happens to be talking about he knows his stuff um, so is anyone else left that I've missed? Hello? No, just you. Oh, I thought I lost my connection for a second. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You guys were so quiet. Um, well, I read a book and I know David asked me about these a while back and I told him I was vacillating about them but i finally decided to start these schools of dune books um and there's a fair amount of cheese in them but i got caught up in the story and um so but for people who aren't familiar with you well i don't know if this would be any worse of a place to start than you know the first book in the original series um they are um Though, of course, those were written by the original author, um, you know, the first six. And these are written by lesser authors. And I'm not going to, you know, uh, pull any punches about that. They are not as good as, you know, a reviewer in uh, on Amazon said, you know, the writing isn't up to Frank Herbert's and the vision is a little less. But I got caught up in the story because this is history. These, um, the first book is called Sisterhood of Dune. The second one is called Mentats of Dune. The third one is called Navigators of Dune. And I'm halfway through the second book. Um, and um, of course the universe that is, you know, sim is, is similar to Dune, but it's, I don't know how far back it is. Um, I'm not sure what gulf of time there is between these books and when the first book, uh, Dune book starts. So, but you have um, the many things are, are still relevant. Um, you know, there was the thinking machine war between the humans and the thinking machines, though I'm not sure these authors characterized it correctly, but um there's the Spacing Guild, which is, has a monopoly on transport, but they don't have a monopoly on, tr on space transportation in these books yet. They might by the end of the third book. I'm waiting to see how that pans out. And of course, there's, you know, the Mentat School. We see, you know, the beginning, well, not the beginning of it, but early days of it. Uh, the guy who founded it with the aid of uh, a robot who was not defeated in the thinking machine, but Larry and Jihad robot again, you know, humans against robot thinking machine war. Uh, he was spirited, his brain, his core was spirited away by this guy. Um, and his methods are being used to train the Mentats uh, to become like human computers to replace human computers and um the sisterhood isn't called the benny jesserit yet and perhaps that will happen by the time and they don't have all of their capabilities yet but they're working on them um so if you know well see I'm, i can't decide because i've i've read all the original dune books you know a number of times and i've read some of these sequels you know written by frank herbert i mean uh, brian herbert and kevin anderson 
And so I don't know where would be the best place to come in because I know these books, you know, I know the universe really well. So I'm not a good judge of that. Um, these are, um, there are problems with them. As I said, there's a fair amount of cheese because in the original book, the first Dune book, uh, there's a bit of dialogue very early on. And as Paul asks the Reverend Mother about uh, why he, they test humans, and she said, to set you free, she said, once men turned their thinking over to machines in the hopes that this would set them free, but that merely permitted other men with machines to enslave them. But to hear the uh, Kevin, you know, Brian Herbert and Kevin Anderson tell the story, the thinking machines were enslaving humans all by themselves. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me why thinking machine computers, sentient AIs or whatever, they don't call them that, any of those things, but why they would need human slaves. Um, and they certainly talk a fair bit about, you know, machine, uh, this, this robot that I mentioned who, uh, who's, brain was spirited away by the founder of the Mentot school who was the independent he was kind of like the chief you know of the uh one of the chief robots um he apparently conducted a lot of experiments on humans for some reason to find out how they functioned but um you know very sadistic you know while they were awake and you know stuff like that and I, i'm not sure how much of this is just for you know for sensationalist value, you know, because as I said, these aren't the writers that Frank Herbert was, but um, so I don't really get a lot of that. But as I said, I want to see how the story turns out because I'm looking for glimmers of history, you know, linkages to, you know, the universe that Frank Herbert wrote about. And you know, and I don't know what sources they had. They certainly mined the appendix. There are some appendices at the end of the first Dune book that do talk about some of the history that led up to, you know, the end of the Dune book. And they talk about the Butlerian Jihad and the Orange Catholic Bible and how it was created and the riots that, you know, ensued when it was first introduced. And then, of course, gradually it became, you know, popular and um revered and all that and so we're very close to that era we're just about 80 years after the battle between the humans and the thinking machines and the thinking machines were overthrown and so and there are treaties and a harkonnens about and uh i don't know how many details to get into because um i don't i i I, it's hard for me to review stuff because I have trouble deciding what to leave in and what to put out, you know, leave out. And, um, but this Atreides Harkonnen feud goes all the way back to, you know, the end of that battle. Um, because one of the Harkonnens was banished for cowardice by the, you know, the Atreides. And now the Harkonnens want to get even. And that, that goes all the way up to the Dune book. It's even mentioned, you know, in the, early part of the dune book first dune book and so you have that and you have the imperial you know the emperors the carinos and the one that's on the throne right now is not very capable he's kind of under the thumb of the butlerians you know they have mobs they can summon to you know if there's any hint of people using unauthorized technology and but they keep changing their goalposts, so to speak and the guy who's putting together the spacing guild um, is, of course, very pro-technology. And so, you know, it's a it's it's kind of almost a battle between those two and the emperor's caught in the middle because he's weak. He has a brother though, who he leans on quite a bit, who, you know, helps him. But he's not the emperor and he doesn't want to be so. And there's a split in the Bene Gesserit because some of them were using computers secretly. And so the emperor came down with his military force and um, killed some of them. And 
disbanded the sisterhood and took some of them back, though, some of the loyalists who were loyal to the anti-technology faction back to uh, his uh, imperial city on Seleucus Secundus, which is an interesting uh, uh, detail because Seleucus Secundus in the Dune books was the emperor's prison plant. He does not have a city on that. It was not his home. That was not the home of the empire back then. So I'm curious to see how that gets changed, if it does get changed in these books. Um, so I said, I'm halfway through, and they're not short. The first one's 20 hours, the second one's 22, and the third one's 18. So I have 30, about a little over, a little under 30 hours of reading yet. Did you I'm read just over house, halfway through. There were three books, The House of Atreides, The House of Harkonnen, and I think one other House one. of Carino. Yeah, yeah, I had never those, read those. Yeah, those are what came out, Brian, and, uh, Brian Herbert and Gavin Anderson. And I think Anderson writes, uh, writes a lot of fantasy, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and there were other Dune books, the Valerian Jihad, uh, I think oh, the my. Machine Crusade. Or the, I think there were two or three of those. Yeah. Yeah, we live in an era when in an era when prequel series and yep. sequel series are all the you know the, like Star Wars, a Star Trek universe now I believe has twelve different TV series that it has oh ever goodness. had and thirteen movies. Yeah, yeah. As long as it sells. Yeah, because there's Star Trek Next Generation Below Decks, which I assume looks at sort of the little people, mm -hmm. you know, the the less than the high top top command mm -hmm. people. Well, and, and of course, um, Star Wars, you know, has proliferated. Oh, yes. And I don't know, I haven't even kept track lately. Um, but um, so I'm going to read these at least. And then uh, we'll see what happens when I get done with that. Um, that's it for now. I what about, I go what about on, the but, book for next month? <laughs> yeah, what I was going to get to that oh, okay. after I finished my review. What what? Anybody have any ideas for next month's book? Yeah. Yeah, Liz and I were talking about one. Yeah. Go ahead, Liz. Okay. okay. Um, it's actually one that Carla Hayes recommended or mentioned in another book club, I think Novel Ideas. And so I'm a little reticent to recommend it for ours, although there's really no overlap between our group and theirs, except for Sherry and I occasionally. <laughs> um, but it, it's called The, Me the Measure, um, and I'm going to bring it up here again. But it's essentially everybody in the world wakes up one morning and finds a wooden box on their porch. And in that box the answer to how long they're going to live is in the box. So the book follows eight different stories and how they intertwine with each other. But the decision is, do you want to open the box? Do you really want to know where do the boxes come from? Are the boxes true? You know, so it just sounds like an interesting story to me, kind of. Um, mm. uh, but that, that would yeah. be our recommendation. Uh, that's our recommendation. Okay. I mean, mm. that would be our suggestion. That's our that's our contribution. How about that word? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the that's the good. author is Nikki Eric. Nikki Eric is that on Bard or? It is on yes. Bard. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I can give you the DB number if you want. Yeah, people seem to like. I don't care, but people people seem to like that, and it will be on the recording. Right, so. okay. Yeah. Okay. So that would be it's good. DB one zero nine four seven five. One zero nine. Four yes. seven five. Correct. Seven, five. And I yeah. think Roger had one. And so did Martin, I think. Yeah. Martin had one. Yeah. I was going to mention that two months ago we we were contending between hominids and that book by Isaac Asimov. I forget the title of it, but it contains the end of eternity. Oh, I forgot. Oh, and the whole novel End of Eternity is on Bookshare. Oh, the whole the whole no. thing, yeah. Um, but in any case, I was thinking of since Hominids only barely won out over that Asimov book, I was thinking maybe um, we could now do the Asimov book. Well, we did. It was a close. What's it called? I mean, it contains the enemy. What, what's the name of it? It's we called the again. alternate Asimov. The alternate Asimov. 
and it's uh, I read I started to read it and the comments say that this was his original short story and his publisher pushed him to make it a full-blown novel and mm -hmm. that he did do that but the novel is not on Bard it's only on Bookshare mm. oh in that case I'm not sure I, the thing is I read uh, the end of eternity twice long long ago both times in print and i've been blind now for about 35 years <laughs> so i was kind of looking for an excuse to reread it ah. but if this is a shorter version of it if it's not the actual novel then in that case i'm not really so sure that i want to push for that then it's definitely mm. a shorter version it's only like Hmm. a couple three two three hours and it specifically says it was the original short story hmm. version yeah okay well then martin you yes. said you had martin had something well the only one i was mentioned was the one by sawyer called uh, illegal alien hmm. well the only reason i would be hesitant about that one is because we just did Sawyer um, uh, but we can certainly if we keep going with these alternate formats I mean these books are not banned forever anything right. we don't pick is right. is not uh, a permanent loss it just might be the next time or the time yeah. after that you know if people remember them say I don't always remember them <laughs> um so um did you have something david did you yeah david you all you have you read more than it i mean he reads a lot that's all um, i can say no <laughs> no nothing popped into my head i just finished a four-part series by um what was his name wait but I'm, I'm trying to remember his name his last name is mather and it's called the first one was nomad the second one was sanctuary the third one was resistance the fourth one was destiny in there i did it was too long and too dark some big catastrophe a mm -hmm. double black hole passes near the earth pulls it out of, off of its sort of off of its orbit creates all kind of problems with the weather and there's this like ash and sludge that fall everywhere and it's really dystopian Ugh. I don't that sounds do like that. a great movie, though. Great disaster yeah, I bet movie. It would. Yeah, yeah. Like I when worlds seen. collide or something. Or, a uh -huh. mini or maybe a mini series. Oh, Netflix. yeah, a mini series. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That would work. Well, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this the one about the everybody finding a box that tells them how long they're going to live. That would be interesting. I, I would question, well, it sounds to me. Like it might not really be science fiction. Um, it sounds more like fantasy to me, but I would ask Liz, um, is there some kind of an explanation for how this works that would make it a, a manifestation of reality rather than the supernatural? I actually haven't read the book. So oh, okay. Carla Hayes uh, recommended it, and she said she felt it was science fiction, and I think she does like science fiction. Um, but, you know, it's like each, each person has their kind of, you know, some people aren't quite as hardcore with their definition of science fiction. So I really can't attest to how science fiction mm -hmm. it is. <laughs> so if it's an alien that planted the boxes, yes. It makes sense. <laughs> But we don't know that. <laughs> right. Not how they know. Yeah, because I haven't read the book. So, yeah. Well, Did you have something, Evan? Speaking of things that don't sound like science fiction but are, um, don't forget the River World novels by, I think, I think, Philip Jose Farmer. Oh, yeah. Farmer wrote those. Um, every human being who ever lived suddenly comes back to life oh my god wow naked on a river bank <laughs> 25 year old bodies that sound that sounds like a fantasy to me <laughs> but, but there is some kind of an explanation explanation that yeah they get to the they get to the alien headquarters that they'll yeah. find in the last book it's one, oh, of, okay. mm -hmm. it's one of those um and 
a technology advanced sufficiently enough is indistinguishable from ma magic. That's right. An example. <laughs> well, I was thinking um, about, and David, you've read all this. I got stalled out because I started reading other stuff with this Nofic gloss book well, I, that got I, a lot of great reviews from U.S. readers and a lot of pans from UK readers. I've never seen such a divergence of reviews in my life. And I obviously I haven't read all, you know, I, I just finished it. Did you finish it? Yeah, I did. Well, would, well, <laughs> you wouldn't have to read anything. Which, which, which side of the pond do you support? <laughs> which side of the pond are you on Martin? The good side or the bad side? I thought it was very good. It was very, you know. I just, I felt bad for the planet, the you know, the the herder planet. The, the they those those creatures ate up everybody almost. That just, it starts out really cruel. It's a cruel sort of setting. You have to be careful not to get too emotionally involved. Oh, that's a it, problem. That's a problem for Lissy. She has trouble with really. And they, she like won't that. want to read this or that one. No. Maybe we shouldn't go with that one then. Oh, man. Can we try the box thing and see? Sure. Can and if it turns it? out to be fantasy, you guys can chastise Liz and I. <laughs> well, you no, no, get, no. If Carla likes science fiction, you really should get her over here. She was a, she was a classmate of mine. Carla Hayes? So, oh, yeah. If we went to the same school for she left in uh, late high school and uh but we went through all almost uh like all grade school and oh wow, wow. Yeah, we were in the same class this was time. in california is that no right? in pittsburgh in pittsburgh okay. oh, wow. yeah. mm -hmm. so wow. anyhow Small um oh. anyway um what's the title let's let's make sure we have the title and everything for the for the tape mm. so that okay people it, it's called the measure Hold on just a second. Measure. I'll go back and get it. Hold up. Since I, I haven't heard any other. Okay. It's called. Um... Shoot. Come on, Liz. <laughs> yeah. Hold I'm wondering if people will jump out in front of cars and stuff just to see, you know, if they survive when their date, you know, it's not their day. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, that would be interesting. Okay. The measure. And then it's got a novel after it. So the measure, mm -hmm. a novel. Yeah. And it is by Eric, E-R-I-C-K, mm -hmm. and then uh, Nikki. I think it's N-I-K-K-I, so it's Nikki Eric. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, read by Julia Whalen, I believe. Don't know. And I've heard of that name. I think I've read something that she's, mm -hmm. uh, she's narrated. The book is 11 hours, 2 minutes. Not too. And it's a date of uh, DB109475. Uh, All right. We'll give it a try. And, uh, and I just want you to know, I have not read the book. It just sounded kind of an interesting premise to me. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it sounds really interesting. So, well, okay, Sherry, we'll, we'll take the responsibility. Yep, then. Yep. <laughs> we will. Well, I mean, Connie Willis is science fiction, and a lot of her stuff is pretty soft. So, yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so, all right, I guess we will uh, put that on then, and I'm going to say that the next meeting of the Science Fiction Club will be on April the 13th, 2023, so you guys have five weeks to read an 11-hour book. I think we could do that. It'll be too onerous uh, of a schedule, two hours of, uh, a week and some, two hours and... <laughs> 15 minutes a week or whatever. 